Amen. Does that put a smile on your face? <laughs> it's good to praise the Lord. It feels good. Uh, thank you, Melvin. Thank you, musicians. Thank you, choir. Thank you, choir, uh, for singing along with us. In just a minute, we're going to open God's word. Let me lead us in prayer uh, that the Lord may teach us and direct our hearts to that which he wants us to know. Would you bow your heads as I pray for us? God, let everything that has breath praise you. God, we praise you because you gave us breath. And that for everything else that may be going right or wrong in our lives, Lord, we're, every breath that we take is a gift from you. And so God, we want to use those breaths to praise you, to say that you are good in the good times and in the bad times. Uh, Lord, we thank you that by the power of your word, Jesus, you sustain each and every breath that we take. We praise you for the Holy Spirit, which is the breath of life that you have breathed out on us and given to us who believe in Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Thank you, Father, for your spirit who empowers us and gives us life. Thank you for your word. You tell us it is God-breathed, that you breathed out these very words for us to experience today. God, I pray that as we open your word, that as we come to it, that you would scatter it like seed upon our hearts. Lord, I know that uh, for some, that seed will hit rocky ground. Lord, I pray that in your miraculous power, you would not let that be the case. And Lord, don't let Satan steal away what is proclaimed and preached today. For others, Lord, the seed will take root, but the dryness or the difficulties of life will choke it out and threaten to kill it. God, have mercy. Please don't let us be like that. But Lord, for others, by your miraculous power, by the breath of life that created all things, some of that seed will find good soil in our hearts and it will bear fruit a hundred times beyond what we could ever ask for or imagine. Let us be that four-soiled church today. Let us be people who hear your word and receive it with gladness and joy and earnestly desire to do what it is that you have for us to do. Thank you, God, for meeting with us here today. We pray that you would reveal yourself to us, that we might know for sure that you are present in our midst. For we ask this in your name, Jesus, for your glory. Amen. Recently, I'm not sure if you saw this or not, the United Arab Emirates, which is a mostly Muslim country, <clears throat> announced that they would no longer be having Fridays off. Friday is the holy day in Islam. And instead, they would be switching to corporately, collectively as a country, taking Sundays off. That up to this point, uh, Sunday through Thursday in the UAE had been the work week with Friday off. But now in recognition that the global market really runs from Monday to Friday, they've made the transition to work half days on Friday so that they can have Sundays off. When we talked to our Christian partners in Dubai, they were ecstatic because it means now they get to worship on Sunday morning. They had been worshiping on Fridays because that was the day they had off, which is great. But now they get to worship on Sunday morning, which is the day that Jesus was raised from the dead. It's amazing to me. It's a little bit like Christmas. Christmas is so deeply ingrained in the global culture that I read an article in The Economist recently that said I think nine out of 10 Americans celebrate Christmas whether they have faith or not. It's just deeply ingrained in the culture. 
So it is with Sundays. Why is Sunday so powerful for so many people around the world that it's even made its way uh, so that countries are making decisions like this? Well, it's because for 2,000 years, those who believe in Jesus have been gathering together every Sunday, week after week after week, to experience and God and to worship him together. But you know what? It actually goes back beyond 2,000 years. Beyond when Jesus came, that in the Old Testament we find the seeds of what we're doing now. And this morning we're going to look at one of the first worship services in human history. To come to recognize and understand that the very thing that we're doing today, this very thing, gathering together for worship, that God has planted the seeds for that in the very earliest echelons of human history so that we might recognize that this is a blessing from God given to us. Let me invite you to take a Bible and turn to the book of Genesis chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible with you, we'd be really, really grateful if you just took one from the rack in front of you and opened it to Genesis 14. That's page 10 in those church Bibles. We believe this is the word of God, that it is breathed out by God, and so although written by humans, the breath of God created these words, and so we want to look at them and study them and read them and come to understand them. Genesis 14, let me tell you the story of what's happening in this chapter. Last week in Genesis 13, we looked at the fact that Abraham and Lot, Abraham and his nephew Lot, had grown uh, really quite prosperous, and they were beginning to crowd one another, meaning their flocks and herds and their workers were kind of overlapping with one another and they were starting to quarrel. And so Abraham and Lot decided to sort of separate, to part ways, and Abraham says to his nephew Lot, go ahead and pick wherever you would like to live in the land and wherever you go, I'll go somewhere else. And so Lot looks around and he sees land that looks well watered like Egypt, like it is good looking land. It's in the Jordan Valley near the Jordan River, and so he says, I'm moving down there near a city called Sodom. And so Lot moves that direction, and Abraham says, great. So he moves a different direction towards Hebron. Well, Lot is living in and near Sodom, a beautiful, well-watered area. But as you can imagine, Lot's not the only one who noticed how good this land looks. And so there's lots of other people living in that part as well. And as you can imagine, when you get lots of people together living in beautiful land, there's some quarreling and fighting that happens. You see, it's a little like Lot moved to California. Beautiful country. But lots of other people moved to California too. And then pretty soon, there's a lot of fighting going on in California that the people in North Dakota, for example, don't have any problems with. That's where Lot is, and he's caught in the middle of some fighting that's going on as people are disagreeing. And what you have in the valley where he's living is what we would call city-states. Each little city has its own king. And those city-states are starting to fight and argue with one another until finally there is an uprising and a battle between five kings of the plains and four kings of the plains on the other side. And so four kings align themselves together and five kings align themselves together and they go to battle. 
And it turns out that the five kings lose. Now among those five kings is the king of Sodom where Lot lives. And so Lot, his family, all his possessions, the rest of the people of Sodom, as well as the rest of the people of those five city-states are all taken captive and are being led off into slavery. Well, Abraham hears this news about his nephew Lot and he resolves to do something about this and so he summons all of the men of his household. This means all of the people who work for him. And amazingly, Abraham has 318 men who work for him. Well, now that might not seem like might seem like a big workforce. It's not much of an army, but 318 men gather together, and so God, along with Abraham, leads these 318 men into battle. They chase down the four kings who were victorious, and in the battle, Abraham, with God's miraculous help, wins a battle. I mean, Abraham's a shepherd; he's not really a warrior, but by God's help, he wins the battle, and he is bringing Lot, Lot's family the other members of the city of Sodom and other people from the city-states back to their homes when we pick up the story in verse 17 of Genesis 14. After Abraham, Abram's just his shorter name, after Abraham returned from defeating Kedolamer and the kings allied with him, the king of Sodom came out to meet him in the valley of Shavah, that is, the king's valley. Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High, and he blessed Abraham, saying, Blessed be Abraham by God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, With raised hand I have sworn an oath to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or the strap of a sandal, so that you will never be able to say I made Abram rich. I will accept nothing but what my men have eaten and the share that belongs to the men who went with me, to Aner, Eshkol, and Mamre. Let them have their share. In verses 18 to 20, we have one of the first worship services in human history. And as we look at this passage, there are four ways in which the gift of worship for us today is meant to be a blessing. Let's think about them together. The first is that when we gather for worship, exactly what we're doing right now, this is a blessing for us because it is a pause in the action. When you first heard this passage read, it might have been a little confusing. It was for me. Verse 17 Abraham is engaging with the king of Sodom. It's like the king of Sodom. He sees him coming from afar. That's verse 17. Verses 18 through 20 is not about the king of Sodom. It's about the king of Salem. Salem is a different city than Sodom. And the king of Salem has not been involved in this story at all. He's not one of the nine kings. We haven't heard anything about him. He just appears on the scene out of nowhere. 
Abraham engages in a worship service with the king of Salem. And then in verse 21, it's the king of Sodom again. The best way to think about this is verse 17 is like Friday. And you're at work, or you're at school, or you're going through your weekly activities, and you're dealing with all the stuff of the week. And then verse 21, that's like Monday. You go back to work. I get it, it's Christmas break. But at some point, you'll go back to school. You go back to the weekly activities. But in between, out of nowhere, comes this pause in the action. Verse 17, king of Sodom. Verse 21, king of Sodom. But in between, king of Salem. And Abraham pauses for a worship service. He pauses to engage with God, to be blessed by God, and to say thank you to God. This is no accident. It's meant to represent the fact that God doesn't want us to work day after day after day to go to school over and over again. Can I get an amen to not going to school day after day after day? To not have all of our weekly activities. We need a break. We need a chance to stop, to catch our breath, to be able to pause. During the lockdown that we all went through a year and a half ago, <clears throat> quarantine, uh, Saturday Night Live had Tom Hanks hosting it in the midst of the lockdown, and they had him hosting it from his kitchen. If you get a chance and you watch sort of the monologue, it's super awkward because no one is laughing and no one is there. It's just him in his kitchen filming the monologue. But during the monologue, he makes a really insightful joke. He's talking about how Saturday Night Live is trying to figure out how to do their show in the midst of Zoom and lockdown and all those things. And then he makes this joke. And by the way, he says, there are no more, there's no such thing as Saturdays. Every day is simply today. It was a really insightful joke that when we're going through lockdown, it felt like every day was the same. There was nothing to differentiate Saturday from Tuesday or Tuesday from Friday. It felt weird, didn't it? That's because that's not how God designed it to work. From the very beginning, God himself rested from his creative work and he set aside a particular day so that you and I could experience a pause in the action. Whatever you have going on on Friday, it'll be waiting for you tomorrow. And even when Christmas break is over, you go back to school, go back to your activities, the business that Abraham's got to do with the king of Sodom, that'll be there waiting for you. But the blessing of God is right in the middle of all of that. God gives us an opportunity to take a break, to pause, to worship, to experience a blessing from him. The second way in which church, worship, what we're doing here is meant to be a blessing from God is it's not only a pause in the action, it's an opportunity to meet with God. Abraham is engaging with this guy named Melchizedek. Now Melchizedek is one of the really most fascinating people in the Bible. He's super interesting, confusing, but super interesting. His name Melchizedek literally means 
king of righteousness. Well, that's a pretty good name. This is the king of righteousness. And he is the king of Salem. Salem means peace. Shalom or salam. That just means peace. He is the king of peace. King of righteousness. King of peace. This is an important person. More than that, he's actually the king of Salem. Now that may not strike a chord with you, but you might recognize the city by its longer name. Jeru Salem. Jeru is just the Hebrew for city of. Jerusalem is the city of Salem. Now it's super, super fascinating that Abraham is meeting with the king of Jerusalem for a worship service. Jerusalem is the place that Abraham will circle back to in Genesis 22 when it's time to offer his son Isaac as a sacrifice and Jerusalem is the place where Abraham will meet with God on Mount Moriah. Jerusalem is also the place where Abraham's descendant David will conquer and end up making provisions to build the Jewish temple in Jerusalem so that people can gather for worship to meet with God. Jerusalem is also the city where Abraham's descendant Jesus will be dedicated, will be crucified, will be resurrected from the dead, will ascend to heaven, and the city that he will return to to rule on this earth. And Jerusalem happens to be the city where the very first church services in history, where people, Christians, will gather together on Sundays to meet with God. This is Melchizedek. He is the king of Jerusalem. But he's not only king. We're told he's also priest of God Most High. Melchizedek is the first identified priest in the Bible. A priest is someone who represents God to people. Melchizedek is not coming on his own. He is a representative of God sent by God to go meet Abraham. And what does he have with him when he comes? Bread and wine. What does that sound like? Communion, the celebration of the Lord's Supper when we take bread and we drink wine or juice to represent we are communing with the Lord. Melchizedek also happens to be the priest that Hebrews tells us who most helps us see Jesus. All of this is meant to be a, uh, meant for us to understand Abraham is not simply getting together with some guy. This is a worship service and through Melchizedek Abraham is meeting with God. This is just a foretaste of what we get today. Jesus says, I will build my church. And then in Matthew 18, he says, listen, when two or three of you Christians gather together in my name as a church, I will be with you. God himself present with us. In 1 Corinthians 14, we're told that when we gather together like we're doing this morning, 
God is so uniquely in our midst that even a non-Christian who comes in is going to say, whoa, what is going on here? There is something different. Did you feel it in the worship? Did you feel it in the prayer? Did you feel that God is present here? Kirsten references, we can't see him. Though the eye of sinful man, what is it, darkness may not, something like that, I can't remember the words. Holy, 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 we can't see him. But he's present. The reason this is such a blessing is we get to meet with God. Literally meet with God. When I was younger, the most common question we got asked about church was, what did you learn in church today? That's a good question because we do learn things in church. But the truth of the matter is a lot more happens than just learning in church. And so Lisa and I, we've shifted. We don't really ask that question so much. We tend to ask the question, how did you experience God today in church? Because you might have experienced him in a song or in a prayer or in a kind word from someone sitting next to you. You might have experienced him in someone just putting their arm around you. You might experience him in the sermon. You can experience him in lots of different ways, but the point is he is uniquely present when we gather together. God is present when we read his word on our own. God is present when we're walking in nature. God is present when we pray. But when we gather together, Jesus says, I will be in your midst in a real and tangible way. So the second blessing of what we've been given to do this morning is that this is our chance to meet with God every week, week after week. A third blessing is that we come together and we receive a message prepared for us to prepare us for what's coming. We receive a message prepared for us to prepare us for what's coming. In verse 17, Abraham is returning from victory. He sees the king of Sodom coming to meet with him. The king of Sodom wants to meet with Abraham because Abraham accomplished something that these five allied kings couldn't pull off. You can think of it this way. The king of Sodom is coming to make Abraham a job offer. He's like, we got to hire that guy. And the danger here for Abraham is he's now been victorious. He's got a taste of power. He's not a military man, but he's been successful in his one military campaign. There's a real danger that he's going to hear that job offer from the king of Sodom. The king of Sodom's looking at Abraham to say, this is a guy worth knowing. This is a guy we want on our payroll. And in verse 17, on Friday, he gets a call from the king of Sodom and says, I'd like to talk to you about a job. And Abraham says, okay, let's meet on Monday for the job interview. Meanwhile, on Sunday, Abraham shows up in church. And what does he hear on Sunday? Blessed be Abraham by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God most high, who delivered your enemies into your hands. A message prepared specifically for Abraham. 
God is reminding Abraham before his job interview on Monday. Don't forget who gave you this blessing. Don't forget who gave you that victory. Don't forget that it's not through your allegiance with peoples of this earth. The king of Sodom is not a guy you want to go work for. And so God reminds him, I've promised to bless you. You don't have to make human allegiances. You don't have to work this out on your own. You don't have to try to make this happen. Don't be afraid, Abraham. I will bless you. Don't be afraid, Abraham. You don't need a lot of military might. If you have me, you have more than enough. That's the message that he hears on Sunday. And what happens when he shows up to his job interview on Monday? Verse 21, the king of Sodom said to Abraham, give me the people and keep the goods for yourself. The king of Sodom is trying to curry favor with Abraham. And look what Abraham says. But Abraham said to the king of Sodom, with raised hand I have sworn an oath to the Lord God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing belonging to you. No alliance between us. Now look at this phrase, you see it? God most high, creator of heaven and earth. God most high, creator of heaven and earth. Where did we hear that phrase before? Verse 19, look, it's the exact phrase. God most high, creator of heaven and earth. Where did, where did Abraham get his answer for his job interview? In church on Sunday. The Lord gave him the exact phrase he needed. A message prepared for Abraham to prepare him for what was coming. Friday, hey man, I want to hire you. Sunday, don't go work for that guy. Monday, I work for God most high, not for you. When I lived in Dallas, uh, I went to a predominantly black church. And at our church, we went to, we, our services went about two and a half hours. This was unusual for someone like me who was used to sort of hour services. The sermon itself was often 45 minutes to an hour and sometimes a little more. So one time I decided to ask the pastor, how come, how come the church services are so long? And, and why, the subcontext was, why does the sermon go so long? And I'll never forget the answer he gave me. He said for, you know, for black churches especially, when you have a history of coming out of slavery, when you've existed in a culture that all week long told you you were worthless, you didn't measure up, you're not as good as white people, it takes that long to hear the message that that's not true. That we are children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And that every Sunday this pastor said, I gotta get my people and I gotta tell them the truth that they are who God says that they are. A message prepared for us to prepare us. He's like, I gotta get them ready to go back into a world that doesn't see them as children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And every Sunday, God brings us here and has a message prepared just for us to prepare us for whatever's coming. I don't know what you're going to face tomorrow, but I do know that you being here today is getting you ready for it. And then fourth and finally, church, 
Gathering for worship is a blessing because it gives us the opportunity to give freely in gratitude for blessings freely given. We get to give freely in gratitude for blessings freely given. The last part of verse 20. Then Abraham gave him a tenth of everything. You might actually recognize the Hebrew word for a tenth more than you do the English word. The Hebrew word is tithe. This is the first tithe in human history. Abraham spontaneously wants to give something to say thank you to God. 318 household servants going to win a battle against four kings, that shouldn't happen. Abraham wants to say thank you. Now what I want you to notice, which I think is so fascinating, look at verse 21. This is Abraham's first interaction with the king of Sodom. So verse 17, he sees him coming from afar off. 18 through 20, he has the worship service with the king of Jerusalem. Monday comes and the king of Sodom shows up. Look at the first words out of the king of Sodom's mouth. What is it? Gimme. Gimme. This is what the world says to us. When you go to work on Monday, your company is going to say to you, gimme. Give me your time. I'll give you a paycheck in return. Sodom says, give me the people and I'll give you the goods in return. You're going to show up back at school and your teachers are going to say, give me your homework and I will give you a grade. In this country, we say to you, give us your taxes and we will give you military protection. Your family is going to say, give me Christmas dinner. Give me Christmas. Give me, give me, give me, give me. This is what we say to one another. We lead off what we want from somebody else by saying, give me stuff. Look in verse 19 at God's first words to Abraham. Blessed be Abraham by God most high creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hands. Where's the gimme language? It's not there. God summons Abraham to worship because he wants to bless him. He's blessed him with military victory. He's blessed him with possessions and riches. And he shows up to worship on Sunday simply to be reminded, Abraham, you are blessed. And Abraham says, I want to give something in response to that. You see, as Christians, we don't give in order to motivate God to bless us. God blesses us and we give out of gratitude for what he's done for us. Listen, before you were even born, Jesus died for you. Before you had done one thing, good or bad, Jesus died for you. And while you were still a sinner, when you were God's enemy, when you wanted nothing to do with God, God loved you so much that he chose to bless you, his enemy. What do we do when we gather together? We say, thank you. Every breath you and I took this week was a gift from God. I don't know about you, but there were probably enough things that I did this week that God could have just said, yeah, we're done. How do you say thank you to a God like that? He doesn't actually need our money. <laughs> all the gold and all the silver is his. So why is Abraham giving him this stuff? 
what I think is so fascinating. Remember what's going to happen in the job interview on Monday. He's going to get offered a lot of money by the king of Sodom. You give me the people. You keep the stuff. We have an alliance. On Sunday, God reminded Abraham, I am your portion. I will take great care of you. I have sworn an oath to bless you. You don't have to hoard money. You don't have to hold on to everything you got. You can freely give because I have promised to take care of you. And no matter where you go and what you do, I will be with you. The king of Sodom, he had a lot of money. What good did that do him in the battle? Abraham had God. That was all he needed. And here's the crazy thing. Abraham gives money on Sunday. And then on Monday, he is free to turn down money. See, when you and I gather together, and you take out your phone and you text to give something out of gratitude to the Lord, or you take a check or money in the back and drop it in those boxes, or you make arrangements for automatic withdrawal to make sure that you give God a portion of things he's given to you, it's a reminder that that dollar bill is not God. God is God. Amen. And when I put that dollar, whether electronically or physically, into the box, I'm reminded I don't need you. I got him. And then when I go to work on Monday and I get offered money to do stuff I shouldn't be doing, when I go to school and I get offered money to do something I shouldn't be doing, I just got reminded, you know what? I don't work for money. I work for Jesus. And he's promised to bless me. He's promised to take care of me. He's promised to feed me. He's promised to clothe me. He's promised to watch over me. I'm good. the blessings of coming to church. We've been freely given and we get to say thank you by giving back. In Genesis 12, God promises Abraham he will bless him. In Genesis 14, we see that one of the ways that that blessing will come is through worship. How much more us that God has promised to bless. Abraham just got to meet with Melchizedek. We get to meet every week with Jesus. God is blessing us today by giving us a pause in the action. A chance to meet with God. An opportunity to receive a message prepared just for us. And a chance to give freely in gratitude for what God has given to us. I think what better way to celebrate Christmas Jesus did all of that so that we could do this here. What better way to celebrate Christmas than to dedicate ourselves to gathering not just once a year, but weekly with Jesus. To be able to meet with him. To know that we have a God who doesn't want to work us into the ground. He wants to give us a break. That if Friday bleeds into Monday, we're going to go crazy. To know that we have a God that wants to spend time with us, to meet with us. A God who knows what is coming for us in the future and has prepared just what we need to hear. A God who knows that we need to be able to say thank you, to get rid of the money that so badly wants to enslave us. To give it to God and to be set free. As this culture gets more and more set, on not wanting us to gather for worship. 
as we live in a world that more and more through our selfishness and individualism and laziness wants to keep us from gathering together. I'm so grateful for all of you. I'm so grateful for this gift from God that the ongoing weekly blessings of the Lord include the chance to meet with him in worship. Let's pray. Thank you so much for joining us for this podcast from Calvary Church. We hope this message has brought the light and hope of God's presence into your life, refreshing your soul for the journey the Lord has you on. If you have a spiritual need or would like to connect further with the work God is doing through Calvary Church, seek us out online at calvarygr.org. On our website, you can also find an archive of previous messages from this series. Thanks for listening.